David Oakes here and welcome to Trees A Crowd. If you've been enjoying this season on our native trees, then why not support our upcoming episodes too over on our Patreon account, where you will also get each episode days ahead of their general release. But if you're new to this series, perhaps the best way to explain what is going on would be to sing you a little song. Bella, would you please oblige? Secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. This week is tree number 43. Hornbeam. The hornbeam. Carpinus betulus. The hornbeam lives for about as long as the beech tree, about 300 years. It can also often be found in oak forests, again, like the beech. It grows tall, by far the tallest of our Betulaceae. In the wild, hornbeam can reach heights of around 30 metres, and the hornbeam's long pointed buds and simple leaves look a bit like that of the beech tree too. In shape and size, the leaves are incredibly beech-like, usually about one and a half times as long as wide and often a little bit longer still. And the leaf surface has a gentle pleated effect, like that of embossed toilet paper. But... Hornbeam's winter buds lie close to the twig, whereas beech's buds stick out, and hornbeam leaves have a biserrated margin, which is completely different to that of the beech, and is certainly the best way to tell them apart. But could make you mistake the hornbeam for an elm, or a hazel, harumph. Either way, hornbeam leaves remain on the tree for most of the year, offering a glorious russet canopy during the winter months. And as such, the tree provides fantastic cover for nesting species all of the year around. And when successfully pollinated by the wind, the female flowers develop into beautiful papery samaras that take back to the air and spin in search of fresh ground to lay their roots. Personally, I have a young hornbeam hedge in my garden, planted with the hope of eventually forming a natural windbreak. They stand noble, as if on stilts. Hornbeams have a foot or so of naturally exposed pale grey trunk before their foliage begins. Now, apparently, the maze at Hampton Court was originally constructed from hornbeams, but I imagine that they must have laid their hedge closer to the ground, otherwise achieving the maze's centre point would have proved much simpler for those prepared to crawl. Anyway, my hedge is four years old now and growing really rather quickly, highlighting that in the wild, hornbeam can grow so fast as to shade out the healthy development of other slower-growing species, such as the hazel, oak or blackthorn. The hornbeam is truly native to only the southeast of England. However, it is now naturalised throughout the British Isles. But in some Kent forests, the native hornbeam has become artificially dominant. Other trees, including the naturally dominant oak, have been steadily eliminated, while hornbeam was selected and nurtured to provide a regular supply of charcoal for the local iron ore industry. Whereas buckthorn charcoal burns very slowly and at a predictable pace, making it suitable for gunpowder fuses, see my earlier episode on the explosive buckthorns, hornbeam charcoal burns very hot indeed. Hot enough for smelting iron. Charcoal, you see, burns a lot hotter than wood and without all of that annoying smoke. Hornbeam charcoal was made here in Kent for centuries using the traditional mound method. A large pile of wood is smothered in a thick layer of earth and then set on fire. 
The earth limits the amount of oxygen the wood receives, meaning the heat is sufficient only to drive off the water and the sap, leaving pure carbon behind in the form of charcoal. Now, if you want to see this in action, there is a truly beautiful film called La Quattro Volte that demonstrates this traditional method in practice in Italy. And it also has a lot of goats co-starring too. Love goats. Particularly large hornbeams can be found in Epping Forest, where it is one of the naturally dominant tree species. A managed forest has existed on the same site in Epping since the Saxons. The larger hornbeams here are once pollarded specimens that were harvested for firewood, but have since been allowed to grow freely since the Epping Forest Act of 1878. The Act was introduced to protect the forest against the ever-expanding urban sprawl of London, but... Unfortunately, as is often the way with mankind's best intentions, the suspension of pollarding had a detrimental effect on the rest of the biodiversity of Epping Forest. The larger hornbeams have meant a greater density of leaf cover, which in turn prevents the development of other species on the forest floor. But since this discovery, English longhorn cattle have been introduced to graze to help with the regeneration of some of what has been lost. Cows to the rescue once again. Love cows. The Act of 1878 also restricted lopping rights. These were the rights for locals to source firewood from this common land, not all that dissimilar to the rights of Estover that occurred in the oak forests of Groveley that I discussed in my episode on the oak tree, head back for that one, as well as the buckthorns. But today, Epping commoners are permitted only to collect one short faggot of firewood a year, a faggot being a bundle of deadwood no longer than 91 centimetres. That one centimetre makes all the difference. For my sins, however, the last fire I made in Epping Forest was not constructed from a faggot of hornbeam. Whilst camping out one night, a 16-year-old mischievous version of myself, one undoubtedly egged on by some very bad company, you know who you are, incinerated a couple of Boy Scout orienteering posts to keep warm. In my defence, the Scouts were the ones who taught me my survival techniques, so it's basically their own fault, and they had it coming. But as well as burning well in both its charcoal and boy scouting form, the wood of the hornbeam is one of the very hardest woods naturally available in all of Europe, second only to box. See the episode on the box tree, that was a long time ago. The Romans used hornbeam to construct their chariots. Hornbeam was also the wood of choice for making oxen yokes, the wooden beams that would keep cattle connected when ploughing the fields or horses together whilst pursuing Ben-Hur. It was even traditionally known here as the English yoke elm for its usage and its leaves that looked not dissimilar to elm. But it is for this toughness that the hornbeam got its name. For as Gerard, the Elizabethan herbalist, said in his glorious book, the hardness of it may be rather compared unto horn than unto wood. And that's that, short and sweet this week, the hornbeam, a tree so hard that no one could whittle a folk tale from it. Anyway, a new family of trees next week, the Sapindaceae, but until then, thank you again for listening, and I'll see you in a week's time. Bye-bye. Up who the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees. Off the bridge